Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Not everything that happened during the pandemic was bad. If you ask Ann Newman, Executive Director of Transition House, there were some positives. Transition House is the emergency shelter for homeless people in Northumberland. Sure, it was tough, she would tell you. But over the past few months, Transition House has worked hard to improve services. Now, instead of just being a place for people to stay, the staff is helping those in need navigate and access local services, from health care to peer support to even learning how to cook nutritious food. Plus, a support person is assigned. This means the individual who is homeless is not alone. It is all new for Transition House. She will share this journey of change. I'm so pleased to have with me today Ann Newman, the Executive Director of Transition House. Welcome to Consider This. Thanks for having me. You put up a video on your website called The Successes of Pivotal Change in Homelessness 2021 Northumberland. Could you tell us why you did it? Um, it was a special presentation. We had a closed AGM this year. Well, it wasn't really closed, but we didn't publicize it that much. Um, we're trying to, I think, open dialogue to start some positive conversations and to start engaging people in some of the opportunities in front of us or maybe sharing some of the successes we're having. I would say it the goal is to have more positive community dialogue, quite simply. In the video, you talked about the pandemic being an opportunity for the evolution of services at Transition House. Could you maybe elaborate upon that and explain what you meant? About how there was opportunity in the pandemic to evolve, I would say that having our shelter close and reopen under reduced capacity sort of forced us to rethink our service provision because we are funded to support a certain amount of people, but we only have this many people in the house. We still need a certain amount of staff in the house. Um, It's complete COVID-related dollars that would support any overflow funding. So that was an opportunity that we had to get that funding for overflow, which came through the county, which then evolved into a role of having outreach workers. So Transition House didn't have outreach in the past. Through outreach and through pandemic service provision, which meant a lot of health screening, we determined that there was some unmet needs of our clients in terms of healthcare access, which then provided the opportunity to consider street nursing. And 
program, which was just a small request to the Sisters of St. Joseph for just a couple of months of street nursing, turned into a funded community well-being program. And we then became mobile and we became health connectors, which I don't think was the main focus under Housing First previously, nor would it be the focus if we were under a regular service agreement without a pandemic. So although things were closed and people's access was decreased and stress levels were increased in the pandemic, we had the ability to find and tend to these things that our clients were facing. So to me, that that's a silver lining and it will direct how we move forward in terms of ensuring community well-being stays a part of what we do. Transition House had a clear mandate of providing transitional housing to families uh, who were facing homelessness. If you were to describe your mandate now, how would you describe it? Our mandate hasn't changed in that we are here to provide an immediate relief to housing situations. And our goal is to help people get stable and permanently housed. That hasn't changed. How we're getting there has changed. Some of that has altered our services to be without our man outside of our mandate, but it hasn't changed our mandate. So as soon as those pandemic service provision requirements are lifted, I think we would continue to be supporting those in need of emergency shelter. Um, it has altered the way that we've operated traditionally as a shelter because it has enhanced coordinated access, which means that prior to the pandemic, there were components of the homelessness system that could be accessed through different organizations. So for example, although you had emergency shelter at Transition House, if you wanted to access an emergency motel, you would go to Salvation Army. Now you will access all of those as one central intake, which is coordinated access. So we will be the front door access into the system and through our diversion and assessment at that point the client would have access to all so that the pandemic sort of pushed that through a little bit because we had more capability than some organizations in that we remained open 24 7. now historically transition house supported people to transition as a transitional house but in the last three years it has only been an emergency low barrier shelter and we support individuals families are supported through cornerstone so cornerstone has access to emergency shelter for families um, and perhaps as we proceed into this direction of coordinated access that would change but right now that's how families would access so we're dealing mainly with um, adults who are single. The level of cooperation between yourselves and the county, the county talked about an alignment of homelessness services. Now, can you tell us what that means? Well, I think from the county's perspective, 
I think from the county's perspective, um, they would be looking to see a overarching definition of, say, homelessness or food security or mental health access, etc. So each of our organizations will have our own process and our own definitions within this homelessness system. And when you see the homelessness system, I would say that it crosses over from the, um, the health care system to the social service system and back and forth on a regular basis. The county talks a lot, and it seems like in generalities when it comes to strategic approaches. And yet there are still people who are homeless. They're living in the woods, in tents, they're couch surfing. Can you give us a concrete, specific example of how the system is changing to address the needs of these people? Well, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a new system that we're using. We are aiming towards this and we are working hard to develop and maintain that but there's still a lot of work to do to create a system and that alignment has to be with all providers across the system so that collaboration has not been easy as we've all been isolating and trying to meet on zoom either but what i do think happened is the opportunity arose for those conversations and for those shifts to happen and i've seen shifts happen so the diversion process or the coordinated access that allows people to come in and have sort of a one-stop shop i think would compare to the direction of like a hub model you see this in a lot of other sectors they'll have a hub model because you'll have a system user that may need all of your organizations, not just one. And that person would be bouncing back and forth, maybe repeating themselves four or five times. And instead of moving forward quickly as one holistic approach, they're bouncing back and forth through various silos or organizations. So that's what coordinated access is, is it's a one-stop shop for a person where all their needs can be sort of reviewed and put into a plan as one. Now, one of the major barriers to that is technology. To be able to really give someone a seamless experience in our industry, we don't have to be on the same system, et cetera, and not even healthcare is there yet. So it will take time to get there. But I think what Sarah has done for us is started those conversations and directed resources in a way that will allow that natural growth. Okay, so I'd like to go back and and talk about about a concrete, specific example so that people can understand. So let's say um, a a woman in her late 20s comes to you and says, I need help. Walk us through what that person would go through and the various services and programs you would offer to help that person Well, we wouldn't be able to offer any services. We would be their connector and their referral source. So what we would do is what we call an intake and a diversion. And diversion is a conversation that you're having to sort of help people people action plan. Because sometimes when you're in crisis, you can't come up with some good solutions on your own. Having someone to reflect back or walk you through some options may open doors that you thought were closed. 
So that's the first thing we're going to do. The first thing we're going to do is help you to not stay at the shelter because maybe there are other options that are going to take you to sustainability more quickly than us. If through that it's determined that you're going to stay with us, we do individualized planning where we help people focus on the aspects of their lives that they want to work on to move forward. So in those cases, it could be medication support. It could be mental health connections. It could be um, the RAM clinic, at which is uh, harm reduction and addiction supports at NHH. It could be food security, which we could connect. I mean, right now, it's difficult to find places to go out and eat in groups, but we have resources we would connect them to. So with that individual plan, they are then attached to a case manager who connects them through referral and supports them through whatever they need to make those meetings happen. So it could be transportation that we support. It could be providing a computer and a, and a confidential space so that you can have whatever meeting you need with a service provider. In some cases, it's all you need is a bed and a few hundred dollars to contribute to wherever you were staying before in order to stay longer. We can go to that extent. Um, but really, we are enabling people to have access to all the resources that are out there. A lot of the time when people are coming to you with challenges, they aren't even aware of some of the resources that exist in the community. So you're almost like a, a navigator through that system, but you're also a support person who's walking with them through that. I think that seems to capsulize, if I'm hearing you correctly, best. You're actually happy helping people make their way through the system, navigate through the system, but also they're not walking alone. You're walking with them as they navigate through to help them be successful. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, correct. So then let's talk a bit about some other things that have been happening that have increased your capacity and allowed you to uh, help more people. I understand through the pandemic, you developed what was called a motel overflow program. And it in fact helped you uh, help 22 people previously. Now you were able to serve, what was it, 40 people? Yeah. Yeah, except um, those numbers don't remain constant all the time. So there were parts of the pandemic where with the overflow program, we were up to 40 clients. And when we talk 40 clients, we talk organizational. So we have people in the shelter, and that's maxed out at 10. We have... Um, emergency shelter overflow, which we have capacity to take 12. That brings us up to our usual capacity in the shelter of 22. Then we had additional emergency shelter available to people seeking shelter over and above our capacity of another eight in motel. Then we also have what we created in the pandemic, which is the next step program. It's a transitional housing program where there are five people. And that is another silver lining in COVID that is continuing on in our operations, which is the transitional housing program next step. Now, you've referred already to some of the services that you're able to help uh, these people navigate towards. So 
You've mentioned medical and health services, but I also understand there's a peer support program. There's a food security program involving a dietitian, and you've been working with the police. Can you explain a bit about these other aspects, the, the lesser known ones? So the dietitian is an amazing evolution of a relationship because of the pandemic. So he, Adam um, Hudson, who's a dietitian at um, Community Health Centers of Northumberland in Port Hope, reached out to us um, at the beginning of the pandemic and said, hey, are people eating? Because I have food here. And he literally showed up providing densely nutritious, really good food um, the whole time we were in the school uh, once a week. That continued on after we moved back into the shelter because we now have this next step program and that program is different because how I said the shelter is a connector, the next step is actually facilitating programs. So we are facilitating life skills based programs that promote independence and Adam then joined us and started doing some nutrition based lessons. Um, he started providing food to the next step with uh, seasonal ingredients, with instructions on what to do with them. And that evolved also to another organization or company called The Thirsty Goose, who came in and did cooking programs, um, either virtually or in person, depending on the mandate at the time. And we have moved that to a program that actually has no budget for food. They are completely independent in sourcing their own food and cooking it and feeding themselves. So this is how I would like to apply food security to the shelter because I've been saying this for a while now. It's not about providing the food, giving the fish. It's teaching how to fish. And I think that's where we're going with food security now. But the pandemic, why we got into food security was because it was a need. It wasn't something that we were doing before. It was a need, and there was funding opportunities available for us to meet that need in the time. It's not necessarily a part of services that would continue over time. Um, there's other organizations in place that will manage food security. But the relationship with the community health centers of Northumberland is not about food anymore. It's about food. It's about access to dental, access to family doctors, access to pharmacy, vaccines, education on vaccines. Um, they've been amazing in many ways, but it started with the meals. How has your relationship with the police changed? I, I understand as part of the video, they talked about how police were seeing an exponential increase in homelessness, and then two officers stepped forward with an idea. Can you explain briefly how that works? Well, we have a table, here's another acronym for you, called the um, H-Court table, Homelessness Coordinated Response Table. And the police also sit at that table. So you try and have every aspect of services that would be utilized in the system there. And that collaboration also, in terms of transition house staff, also ends up on the street every day. Because when you go to work, you see certain officers on the beat, you get to know them, and partnerships and collaborations develop when you work together. So during the pandemic, there was a lot of people not knowing where to go. 
um, people feeling maybe more displaced than they were before. Um, and other organizations locally may be closed, so we weren't moving forward in certain ways. So the police have never stopped working, just like us, 24-7. So they started doing some case management in homelessness. And we do collaborate if we have shared interests. And all I can say is that it's an amazing partnership. I mean, they are there to support clients and they have been able to provide diversion, even if somebody thinks that they would be better off in another area. They've been able to support people to access transportation. Um, and they've also been there when people are down and out to walk them through whatever situations they're having. So I just think the relationship since I've been there has evolved to one that of working together that is benefiting both sides and keeping the community safe. Speaking of relationships, Transition House was facing pushback from its neighbours. Has that changed? I haven't heard much from what once was the good neighbours. I haven't heard much, but I'm wondering if it's because we're at 40% capacity um, in the house. That could change, you know, as we move forward and perhaps... The dialogue would change at that time. I understand as part of the video as well that you talk about a change in your board, going from an operational board to a strategic board. And I wonder, at the time when there was concerns by the neighbours, the town assigned a councillor to sit on the board. First of all, is that still happening? Yes. So what she is is a liaison to the board. And we meet regularly to update each other. And she, Nicole Beatty, has been an amazing liaison. Sometimes complaints do go to her. And I think we have quite an open relationship where she is able to come and, and share those experiences, but also bring forth solution for the community member as well. So I have found that to be very positive, actually. Now, with all these changes, what is the greatest challenge Transition House faces going forward? Well, the motel overflow program that we're talking about, that never became a part of Transition House's budget. That is specific COVID funding. So those funding dollars have been coming through the county now for almost two years, but they will end. And now we have the situation of a reduced capacity. We see other congregate settings are remaining with those directions in place. And now I'm looking forward to the new fiscal year on what that may look like if we are not able, according to public health, to bring in the remainder, the remaining 60%. That's my, my challenge right now. And how do you feel about that? Hmm. You might need another show to go through all of the things I feel about that. I mean, um, the only thing I know is that I have complete trust in 
the county in that so far, in my experience, any challenge that's brought forward is met with solutions. And so far, um, we have managed to operate with one day not missed because of their support. I certainly could not have done that on my own. Um, and I believe that that will continue. It is just a matter of how. And we're talking about that and having meetings about that at the board level to come up with some creative options. So if you have any ideas, please email them. <laughs> and Newman, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks for having me. That was Ann Newman, Executive Director of Transition House. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.